Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Um, I am like... I didn't, I didn't take off my long sleeve layer, but we are both on the East coast of North America. And like, I don't know about you, but I'm cold. I have a blanket on my lap and warm liquid yeah. <laughs> like, entering this time of year where it's a, it's adapting and changing. So welcome here. Um, I hope this feels a little warm and fuzzy, which I think it might because um, you already divulged to me that you're an avid podcast listener. Yes, I am. <laughs> so that feels pretty special to me that you um, that you have listened to so many episodes and um, have the desire to join us and share your voice because it matters. So today's guest is Tanya. Um, we interacted a little bit on social media before she reached out and asked to share her story. Um, but I, is there anything you want to introduce, like any way you want to introduce yourself before we start hearing about your experience? Well, my name is Tanya and I've actually had only one abortion, but it was my first pregnancy. Yeah. So it was very emotional yeah. and, and very challenging, but yeah. I was very fortunate. I, I've had a lot of support mm-hmm. surrounding me. So if anything, it, helped ease at least that side of it and I've had a very supportive husband as well so that does it's a gift (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's a gift we don't take for granted um but also does not make us immune I think that's important to remember is like no matter how supported we are no matter how many resources we have um it does not make us immune to being human and feeling human feelings. Yeah. And so, yeah, we are not alone. Um, How do you want to start sharing your story today? Like, what do you, what does it want to, how does it want to come out of you? Well, it's actually kind of funny of how the pregnancy actually came about. I love it. it. I'm all for funny. (laughs) It was all, it, it happened last year because it was in a bittersweet time. My husband had just lost his grandmother, mm-hmm. his only living relative. So it was mm-hmm. kind of tough. Yeah. And we were already, I was already supporting him. It was, we were very, mm-hmm. very connected during that time. And with what happened was just, we don't know what happened, but we feel we conceived around Valentine's Day because it was within that period of mourning as well yeah. that it happened. And, yeah. and I had never been pregnant before uh-huh. for some reason never happened and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden this time I started to feel nauseous I started to feel off I started back pain but I didn't think much of it because you know when you hit your cycles and everything you feel the pain so I just I didn't think much of it and then it turns out actually on March 18th after we had went to a therapy session together because we just we we go to that just for our own benefit just to keep the relationship healthy you know nice beautiful and we did that and our 
the therapist actually said to us, you should probably take a pregnancy test because you, you, it sounds like as if you are pregnant. So sure enough, we picked up a test, got home that night. And then just right away, we're like, oh my God, oh my God. Like we were in shock, both of us, because we never expected it to happen. Wow. So, so we knew too, it was about five weeks in and we knew we had to make a choice mm-hmm. very quickly. And we realized we weren't financially ready. We didn't have the space because we're living in a, an apartment together. Mm-hmm. So it was very, it was very tough to decide because we had also to, we had barely any furniture. We have just, we're trying to just build up everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't been easy either. So at that point we were like, well, do we really want to bring a child into this? Because we're both not emotionally, not just ready or okay with ourselves. Like we are, but we're not there. Yeah. And why would we want to bring a child into this? Even if we don't even have a place to even place them. Yeah. So that became really tough. So what happened was we have some CLSCs around us and it's basically just like part of the healthcare and all that. I called them up and I just said like, I want to have an abortion. Like I, and the funny thing was too, for that day, since we are both kind of on the fence on and off, I scheduled a doctor's appointment and the abortion appointment. They were both at 10 o'clock on the same day on March 22nd. Mm-hmm. So it was like four days later and I knew I had to pick one. So either way, I know in the end, my husband said, it's my choice, Mm -hmm. whatever you decide, like I'll support you. And even my in-laws were supporting me. So I'm like, I can do that. But with what happened during that time was I knew I had to do it because I knew I wasn't ready. Yeah. I I I wasn't ready. I knew I, I wasn't there and I still had a lot of work to do on myself. Yeah. And, and that was just, that was very tough to actually decide to stop and do because it was my first pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. So we, our abortion dates are around the same. My, I can't remember now if I took the first pill or the second pills on the 24th, March. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Mine was on March 22nd. Yeah. And yeah. And it was surgical too. So I didn't get to, I didn't see anything. Yeah. But at the same time too, it's kind of scary not knowing what was there either. Yeah. There was kind of like conflict afterwards, at least when I was going through the emotional side, because I guess I wanted to know, but at the same time, I knew if I knew I would grow an emotional attachment, which Mm -hmm. is something I knew wouldn't have been any better for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said some things that, so we are, I'm not sure when this will be released, but we're recording this the week that a different story episode went out with, um, Jen. And when you said, um, do we want to bring a child into this? It reminded me of that episode and just this, um, awareness of like, how much that matters to decide when, where, and how to bring children into the world. Like, it's not about us as like, yeah, it is about us, but then it's also about them. And um, what do we want for them? Like if I, you said later, I knew I wasn't ready. If I know I'm not ready, how can it be healthy? to bring a child into the world 
that I don't feel ready for. My living space doesn't feel ready for. My marriage doesn't feel ready for. Um, it's just so apparent to me lately, like how sad it is that culturally we're like, have the child, have the child. And it's just like, so very sad. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really, really, I guess I'm feeling really proud of you right now, like to know that wasn't what you wanted for yourself or your marriage or a child. It's a big deal. So what words, I could think of a million to offer you, but what words could you offer yourself as a way of saying, you know what? Good job. Like you did, you did the hard thing because you knew it was right. Like, what do you offer yourself in that regard? Well, actually, since now it's like a, like over like a year and a half later, yeah, I, I just, I reflect on the progress that I've had to go through. Mm. And like, we had barely any furniture. Now we actually, we built up to having an entertainment system. We're building everything properly because we realized too, with the housing market and just how everything is going, we can't afford it. And we want to ha- be able to have that space, not just for yeah. ourselves, but for church because it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And if we're not emotionally or mentally okay dealing with it yeah. and level yeah. with ourselves, especially if you're quick to like get angry or get upset over small things within yourself, you can't do that with a child either, whether it's you're frustrated or upset and you can have your moments, which I completely understand. But if you're still not okay with yourself and you're bringing a child into it, that's how most kids end up paying the price for it. And I don't like seeing that. I really don't. Yeah. You said you can't bring a child into that. And I just want to point out, you actually can bring a child into that. And literally hundreds of thousands of people do. Yeah, of course. All the time. And what's so special and so worth acknowledging for you is that you can bring a child into that, but you chose not to because you felt like it was what was in the highest good, what was best, what was right. And that's a big deal. Like, it is a big deal to say, no, every, like, we deserve better. Yeah, we deserve better. Yeah, because really amazing. Yeah, because that child can feel too, and they, I know for a fact, just seeing my niece and my nephews growing up. Yeah, but the kids pick up everything, everything from a young age. Yeah, and they're going to mimic you later on, and I've recognized that even with my own behavior, reflecting on my own childhood, and it's yeah, yeah. it makes a big difference. Yeah. And we'll never get it right. We'll never be perfect. So I've been crying a lot this week because my 18 year old is moving away from home. And that's a very emotional time. I haven't felt this sad since my own abortion. Um, We'll never be completely ready or have it perfect or do it right. But if we know for a fact it's wrong, like and I'm using right and wrong very vaguely, (laughs) like if we know for a fact, this isn't what I want to bring a child into. That's such a clear direction. Yeah. For what, where your heart wants to go, where your soul wants to go, where your life wants to go. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, you have mentioned that it's been like a bit of an emotional, um, I think just by default, I'm using the word roller coaster, but like an emotional journey. Um, do you want to share some of that and like what it's been like and what has helped you get through? Well, actually, in the beginning, I was I felt kind of sad and almost going into a depressive state after a few weeks afterwards, which I I knew was completely normal. Yeah. But then after after that part, just I tried to take it and turn it into a positive and try to build myself up even better, just focus on work, just try to keep myself going. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize till later on in the year that I was just pushing myself to work and not actually dealing with it. Yeah, that was a big thing. But I didn't realize it for the longest time up until maybe this year mm-hmm. that everything was just kind of compiling up and I didn't know actually how to grieve. And yeah. it took me a while mm. learning how to grieve. And when I started listening to your podcast, actually, I had a conversation actually this past summer with uh, Terry Swan. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I, I spoke to her and just when I heard that podcast too, it just, it kind of spoke to me and just said like, it's okay. It doesn't matter how you recover, just yeah. navigate through it. Yeah. Cause it's been, it, it's, it's tough to navigate through, especially when you don't know what you're feeling. Yes. <laughs> I literally just like, I started writing a newsletter to send out and it's, so much of what you're talking about like the state I'm in right now with my daughter leaving is um is those words that you just shared exactly like I don't know what I'm feeling like I don't know if this if I'm losing something or gaining something or building something or breaking something like I don't I I feel blank a lot and blah because I don't know what I'm feeling yeah um And what I keep reminding myself is like, this is grief. And in your case, like, I always think it can sound like a statement. I had an abortion and I learned how to grieve. Yeah. And what does that create for the rest of my life that I learned that very important thing? Yeah. So much, so much. And during the grieving process too, I finally was actually able to say the words because I had a hard time actually saying it regardless if I had the baby or not I had a hard time saying I was a mom because that was hitting home the most because we did name the baby too that we called because we believed it was a girl so we called her Andy Andy yeah oh I love it I love it how did you um these words might not sound right to you but like how did you give yourself permission to believe she was a girl and name her? Actually, it was just kind of random because before the the abortion, part of me felt like even if we're not having the child, what would the name of the child be if we were to even still choose? Yeah. And my husband just said Andy, just like that, just a universal name. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> universal name. Yeah. And it, it just stuck. Ah, my head is still tingling. Her name is definitely, or their name is definitely Andy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because I, I was coming up blank with names. Mm-hmm. And he just said Andy just like that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, that works. I love that. I love that so much. Um, you said something earlier that um, 
I think was really interesting. And I want to ask you a question about, you said that afterwards you felt yourself slipping into a bit of a depressive state. And the thing you said that was interesting to me is I knew it was normal and I want to know how, because most people are like, something's wrong. This isn't normal. But you said, I knew it was normal. How, how did you know that? Because leading up to it, I kind of looked into with what was going to happen. Yeah. Because I recognized too, there was the hormonal aspect, but I didn't know fully what to expect. And I also recognized too, at the same time, I was just going to be, I, because I, I actually started to feel a void too. And I felt something was kind of missing and, and the hormones were going kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So, because I did also just read up like that too, afterwards, sadness, depression, or something like that can happen but I didn't want to overthink it. I didn't want to think too much about it because however, however you go through it, you go through it. Yeah. Afterwards, once I started to feel myself just being dragged back down into something that I felt maybe a few years earlier, I felt the same thing coming on me again. And I was like, that's not good. This I've had this feeling before and I don't like it. Yeah. So, and the, the environment that I was working in too, was not exactly helping so it was just adding more to it. So what I tried to do was try to find a way to shift that focus, at least yeah. get out of that environment because it was not helping either. Because yeah. it was hard at it was hard at home for sure, but it wasn't enough to create that state. Yeah. And it was just I could just feel everything too, and I felt something was missing because for the longest time I actually felt a void in my womb. I felt I wrote that word void down because. Um... Uh, so you did tell me before that you've listened to every single podcast episode, which like blows my mind. <laughs> um, so perhaps you remember me talking about, um, this feeling of empty arms, which is the word void is very, very present for me. And I wrote it down when you said it earlier, because that's a lot of what I'm feeling again now too, is like this empty, I mean, in parenting we talk about the empty nest when our kids leave and I don't have that yet because they have two more kids but it does feel like a void and I'm like well what am I supposed to do with this (laughs) what goes in the void and that is how I felt after my abortion was just there was this big empty space and I didn't know what to do with it like the void was scary yeah because leading up to not being pregnant for the longest time, imagining what it was going to feel like was one thing because you you knew that you never had anything there. So you didn't have to really think about it, but once it was there, it just changed everything. Yeah. And and it just changed how I felt too. Cause for a a while afterwards, I, I, and even to this very day, I still feel my stomach a bit, but I know there's nothing there. It's like a ghost feeling almost. Yeah. And I, So I was going to ask you earlier, um, how, um, how do you perceive the action you took, which was to, when you realized you were slipping into this depressive state, you said you got really busy and like kind of pushed through and you didn't realize what you were doing was pushing it away. Um, And I was going to ask you, why do you think you did that? 
like what was brilliant about that coping strategy but i think in some ways we're answering it now which is like there was a, bo- a void and i filled it that's <laughs> yeah. like what you do right like if you're walking along the beach and there you come across a big hole like instinct says fill it yeah and that's what you were feeling like your your human experience was like okay here's a big empty space let me fill it yeah later when you learn to grieve you realize that might not be the best way to grieve is to just fill the hole yeah but it's quite brilliant like it it worked a little bit yeah it wasn't a wrong way to do it no because what i was trying to do was take the abortion my actually my husband and I because we both had this conversation too we were like what can we do to not make this in vain because we want yeah. to make sure too that was for a good reason because we're like we went from having nothing now to building up everything so we're like if we're gonna do this let's make the best out of what we weren't doing before and yeah. we we both literally just took our jobs me especially and we just dove right into it and just kept pushing pushing through everything but then the moment that I recognized that it was the abortion, and I remember when I had messaged you during that time as well, and I was starting to struggle, it was still hard for me to even say it or just let alone feel it because I felt it in my mind. My mind just wasn't ready. It was blocking me. Yeah. So like, don't focus on it right now. So I kept trying to do everything else. Yeah. It, I think um, those of us who struggle around abortions often have very black and white thinking. And this is another place where it's like very black and white. It's like, okay, there's this emptiness. Let me just fill it because the two choices are empty or full. (laughs) Yeah. The two choices are either lie here in bed and do nothing, hence depressive state, or overwork and hustle myself and do everything. And I'm curious how some of the tools you learned about grieving were that middle place. It's not black or white. It's not, I'm totally depressed and nothing is worth it, or I'm overproducing and proving it's worth it. (laughs) What were some of the tools you learned about grieving that someone else might find useful? That you have to definitely, when you feel like crying or any emotion, Mm -hmm. you have to figure out how to release it. And that was because that was very hard for me. I was having a hard time even just crying, and I would feel it from time to time, but then only very few tears would come out, and it would just keep blocking on me. It's like as if everything would just get sucked back in and not want me to, to let it out. Okay, so let's just pretend right now that you're the coach and I am the client. <laughs> <laughs> Because I am in this now. And it's funny because I was just writing this in the newsletter too. Like my husband will come home and like, even just thinking about him, I like look at him and I just start crying. But all day long, I just feel like blank and overwhelmed and confused and angry. And I can't get myself to release. I can't get myself to cry. And then I look at him and I'm like, what? so let's pretend for a second that you are offering me a way to release when it feels impossible 
what might you suggest? I was, because I've actually learned how to figure out things that I never thought that would make me cry. Like, for example, I would go on YouTube and from like, as, as an example, the first American Idol with Kelly Clarkson way back when, yeah. like they had like a little compilation leading up to the finale. Mm-hmm. And I would just listen to that. I would yeah. just get to the finale because you know something's just going to cause you to cry. Because yes. someone's winning something or you see a moment like that and it just totally. it hits. So yeah. I, I just tried to find simple things along the way that would just help me release it even if I wasn't okay to, to release because if if it wasn't released, it was going to build up. Yeah. And that's where, that's where it gets tricky because yeah. then it can turn it. Which is such a great example because I've also been trying to learn how to talk about this experience with her moving and my experience with the abortion. And I've been feeling a lot of shame. Like I shouldn't feel sad about this. I shouldn't feel sad about this. And that's what's making it tight and resistant. And I noticed even when I told you that when I see my husband, I cry, I was sort of beating myself up. Like I should know how to do that without seeing him, but he's just Kelly Clarkson. Like yeah. it yeah. doesn't matter. Was that her name? Did I say that? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the point is learn and allow the things that let you release. So is it sad movies? Is it beautiful music? Is it people winning? Is it your husband's face, it doesn't matter. The point is learn your learn the tools that help you let go. And everyone's gonna have different tools. Yeah. Yeah. Like even recently I learned how to do restorative yoga and mm-hmm. it's helping you release even more. Yeah. Because actually I found a grief yoga at one point and something said just take it and just start releasing the grief that you're feeling because I knew it wasn't gonna surface and Mm. I was like you know what just try that and sure enough it worked and just and I've just been keeping it up and whenever I don't feel okay in my own headspace I go straight to that because if I don't clear my head somehow Mm. then I'm not gonna be able to just reshift my focus to where it actually needs to go Mm. amazing what do you think you believe about yourself that makes finding these tools, continuing to seek out resources, a priority? I know if I don't try to actually find different things, then if some, if one thing doesn't work, there's always something else out there. Just, you have to know with what, I guess, like helps you. Because if you like music, it may not be the kind of music that you always listen to. So just try something different. Yeah. Try something outside of your comfort zone. But I think a lot of people, um, they hear that and they get it, but they don't believe they're worthy of trying the next thing. And you do. Like, what do you believe about? You're, well, like, I'm putting you on the spot, but that's what I do in this podcast. I put all my guests on the spot, and, but I put myself on the spot. Too, so um, how do you validate, like, there's, there's a part of you that values yourself so much that it's worth trying the next thing. Because after going through realizing that I was working as hard as I was, and I wasn't even looking at myself, 
I started to realize afterwards that I have to put myself first somewhere because clearly with what I'm doing isn't working. Yeah. And even though I'm aware of my surroundings and what I'm doing, I'm not paying attention to where I actually need to. Yeah. And, and it's when the feelings build up and that's when it can get worse for you because then you don't know what you're feeling or it's just coming out as anger, frustration, and then you don't know how to handle it, which yeah. can be worse than dealing with the actual feelings in that moment. So part of that overworking was you reaching maybe not a rock bottom moment, but like a moment where you're like, oh, I just broke. (laughs) I broke myself. So reaching that point and then um, realizing that it was worth it to come out of that. Yeah. 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 I, and, and I the reason I'm asking you and pushing you is because I want everyone to believe in themselves as much as you yeah. believe in yourself. And I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. And I'm like, how do we give Tanya to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do also love the question, like, what would Tanya do? What would Amanda do? Sometimes that helps me. Like, if I believed in myself the way Tanya does, what would I do? Um, maybe people could borrow that question yeah it it took me a long time and I wasn't actually okay with myself just it took a lot of time too because also listening to podcasts every week just kind of helped me kind of recognize too well maybe there's these things I could try or just get out of my comfort zone and try different things because if one thing's not working I gotta try something else too and I can't just limit myself either and and working the way that I was was not working for me at all that's so important to recognize like what I'm doing is not working so I might as well try something else yeah I was just coaching a general life coaching client and she said like I don't know what will happen if I send this but I do know what will happen if I don't So it's like, I don't know what will happen if I try this, but I do know what will happen if I don't, is that I stay in this grief. Like not just, we carry, we all carry grief naturally, but like it's different than living in it, being in it, being absorbed by it, letting it run the show. Yeah. Um, So that's a big deal too, is to recognize like what I'm doing now is not working. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing too, because when I know when you're not okay with yourself and you don't want to look elsewhere because you just feel like you're you're in this loop and you want to get out of it, but you don't feel either okay with yourself or you don't feel ready to. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's the toughest part. Because if you're not ready to come out of it, then you're just gonna stay in it. And <sighs> it's only you that can pull yourself out. No one else can. Everyone can support you, but you have to do the work. And that's the hardest part. Okay, I'm just going to hand the podcast over to you and you can do the next 160 episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. And um, yeah, I just love that you kept trying and kept finding and keep believing. And whether you choose to have a family someday or not, um, you're such a great example of what's possible, right? Like, Abortion is just a circumstance. It's just a thing. It's a procedure. It's an event. And we all get to turn it into something different. And 
no matter what comes next for you, like you've turned it into something pretty beautiful. It, it was hard, but I couldn't let it go in vain either. And I was like, I want to make something positive out of it. I saw a lot of negative things leading up to it. And yeah. I know it's not always going to be an easy experience for anybody, for sure. Yeah. But with what you do with those circumstances, I was just very fortunate. I had support around me, but if I didn't have support, it could have went a completely different way. And that I, I, I do recognize that. But since I had that support, it kind of helped me as I pulled through it. Yeah. Because mm. not having that just made it harder. Mm. But I, 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 I still felt kind of lonely throughout the process, regardless. I, I did feel I, I felt alone at times, even yeah. though I was. The name of my program is called Birthing a New You. And um, as you were talking, I was writing the words like, I am the positive thing that was born from that pregnancy. And then after that, I wrote like, I am Andy. I yeah. am Grace. I truly believe that. Like, we are the thing that is born after those pregnancies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that we are. I am Andy. I am Grace. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> is there any last thing that you... Um, that you came intending to share and have not shared or feel like someone listening needs to hear? Just no matter how you're trying to heal from it, because it is very painful. And just like in my case, it was my first pregnancy. It was the hardest that I've ever had to let go because just like even being younger and thinking, well, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to have an abortion back when I was a teenager and having to be put on the spot and go through the same thing. Mm -hmm. it's never gonna be with what you think it is and I was very lucky I had it done very well I had no additional issues after that mm -hmm. so that kind of helped me but it was still kind of tough at least emotionally yeah and it's just yeah. what you can do for yourself whether in this case I turned into a, a spiritual experience as best as I could because if Ugh. I didn't keep that part connected yeah I don't, I don't think I would have gotten through because you have to try to connect with yourself. And if you don't connect with yourself or, or that baby, you're never going to understand why it was meant to happen like that. Mm. I have chills again. Yeah, I think abortion is a spiritual experience. It really is. And I think when we allow ourselves to connect to that and let that be true, some really magical stuff happens. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to add this to the podcast series and um, I appreciate you for sharing your story. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> Until next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.